I never could remember what intercipients and interception. Yeah, so, you know. You're not going to ask me, are you? Yes. What's the difference between the two? Well, I I know what the difference is, and I know that there is a a handy way to remember which is which, right? Which is the invaginating portion. Yes. There's a way to remember that, right? Yes. But I don't remember the way to remember it. So you're going to have to. <laughs> I love it. Sorry for Saying Sorry Media presents the PER Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary professional healthcare team. If you are dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and author of multiple textbooks, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, and we have the famous... <laughs> We're both famous, Dr. Susan Little. <laughs> Dr. Susan Little, who I adore. She is wonderful, and this is podcast number eight. Am I correct? Eight? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it is eight. You're as bad as I am, you know? I, yeah, I, it's I, eight give or take. I think that I was the erratic one, and you were the clever one that... <laughs> have all these numbers in a row, but no. I guess that's not the case. That's not the case. So okay, are you still you. in beautiful Nova Scotia? I am. I am. Not not for a lot longer, you know, because mm. I have to go back to the real world and get back on the road. And I go to – so my next trips are to Argentina to talk about cat medicine. And then guess where I'm going after Argentina? Did I tell you where I'm going after Argentina? No. Where are you from, Yola? I'm from Holland. Not Kansas. Where are you from? You're not from Kansas. I'm not from Kansas. I'm from Holland. You're from yeah. Holland? No way. Yeah. Right. Yes, I have a meeting so, in Holland. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. after Holland, I'm going to Warsaw in Poland, and Dr. Sheila Robertson and I are doing two days of feline medicine in Poland. So oh, uh, even though God. I'm sad, I'm, yeah, I'm sad vacation is ending, but I actually am very excited about all of that. So what about you? You're still in Kansas, right? I'm still in Kansas, and you know, I, I love this time of year because mm. this is when the butterflies come, come out. And we have Monarch. the most beautiful butterflies here in Kansas. It's just unbelievable. So, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, butterflies have a little bit of problem with pesticides and that sort of thing, so they yeah. want to stimulate you here to plant trees and plant uh-huh. the flowers that butterflies like. And I love uh-huh. butterfly trees, those purple tree things. Uh, and okay. they attract so many butterflies. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Monarchs and wow. all sorts of big ones. Wow. Yeah. So I'm very, I, wow. I just can sit in front of the butterfly tree for the rest of the day, do nothing, <laughs> and enjoy. So. But, but instead of this podcast. Now I'm also really jealous that you're going to Holland without me. So, uh, so well. we need to make a plug, one for the podcast. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, 
download it, like it, share it with everybody else. Share it. And then yep. if you if you want us to talk together and do the podcast live for you, it's possible. You just have to invite us. So. Oh yeah, yeah. We're even yeah. better live, aren't we? I know we are better. We are yeah. better live because yeah. we interact with the audience. So. Uh, so, but so this is the third out of a series of our yeah. discussions that I have with yeah. Susan. And yeah. uh, we normally take about 30 minutes to do, uh, I thought, two, three articles. But we talk so much that it only <laughs> brought us one article at a time. So, uh, so we have a great article uh, that talks about cats. And Susan, what's yeah. going on with you? What do you mean, with me or with the article? With the articles, because we're only talking oh. about what? Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, Susan is really, um, really on the ball tonight. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's no, no, another, I just, I, no, you, you don't, yeah, yeah, about what? <laughs> what? What are we talking about, Susan? Surgery. Surgery. Surgery, yes. And you know, I think it's a compensation for all those podcasters who were laughing at me. And you didn't want to talk about surgery. And now we're talking about surgery and surgery and surgery. But we do a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, but it's the last surgery one for a while. You know, we're going to have to switch back to internal medicine after this one. Yes. That sounds good. And, and, And before I forget, when you are in Warsaw with the Awesomest of awesome, Sheila Robertson. We need to <laughs> yes. take a podcast there. So we need to call in and fix it Ooh. in a way because I want to talk about those wonderful AFB uh, guidelines that we have. Yeah. And I want to talk guidelines. with Sheila about that because she is so okay. awesome. Okay. I'm making a note. I'm making yes, a note. Make a note. Let's Perfect. make it happen. So, yeah. but that's not cool. what we're talking about today. We're talking about no, no, the no. abdomen in cats. About a surgical yeah, procedure. So, yeah. And yeah, we're uh, talking about intersusceptions, aren't we? Exactly. And, uh, and this article was also published in 2018 in one of my favorite journals ever, which is the Journal of Feline Medicine and Surgery. And Susan, Yay! why do I love this journal so much? Because it's only cat stuff, and it's, it's actually... Only- the reason that we do this podcast, other than the fact that we like to talk and we like to talk to each other and we like to talk about cats, is there just isn't enough research about cats, and we want to highlight it and we want to encourage it. And, of course, the premier journal that does that is the Journal of Feline Medicine and Surgery. And that's exactly, and that's exactly it. And it also combines, so there's two more reasons that I love it. It also combines yeah. surgery and medicine together. So there's articles about yeah. surgery and medicine, so it's not as you know, segmented as most of the journals. Um, and the third part, which is the most important part for me, is open access. What does that mean? The, yes, one, one version of it. The clinical reports is open access. And the other version of it, it comes with your membership. So it's a benefit of your membership in either the American Association of Feline Practitioners or the International Society of Feline Medicine. So but there I you go. That most of the articles were just open access to anybody. no. Just the clinical reports. The clinical oh, okay. reports version okay. is open access. Yep. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the guidelines that are published are usually open access. Sure. But the uh, other articles, um, uh, yeah, because the journal actually has more than one version, if you will. And it's the clinical reports version that yeah. is uh, online only. It's not print. It's only online. And that one is open access. The other versions are a benefit of your membership. 
And I'm a big, big, go. big, big fan of uh, open access uh, journals. So uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. I feel that that's the way to go for the future um, because, you know, if there's a firewall of a lot of money that just mm. pay for articles, people won't read it. So uh, well done, yeah. Journal Feline Medicine and Surgery. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a surgical procedure called enteroplication in cats with interception. So we're going to use a lot of difficult words. Uh, it's yeah. a retrospective study uh, from 2001 Done to 2016. In Vienna, I think, right? Yeah, University from Vienna. Yes, yeah. Dr. Heider Lesnik-Tatik and Dr. Gilles Dupre. Um, and it was published uh, not that long ago. I'm looking for a June, I think. June Yeah, June. Yeah, yeah. So hot yeah, of the press. Hot of the Yeah. Press. So, uh, and, 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 isn't even dry. No, exactly. And, uh, so... Um, <laughs> So the aim of the study was to report complications, uh, long and short time, and clinical outcomes of cats suffering from surgically reduced intersusception with and without enteroplication. You know, Susan, yeah. when I was a student, and as a matter of fact, an intern yeah. president, I never could remember what intersuscipients and interception. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, so, oh, no. you know. You're not going to ask me, Yes. What's the difference between the two? Well, I, I know what the difference is, and I know that there is a, 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 a handy way to remember which is which, right? Yes. Which is the invaginating portion. Yes. yes. There's a way to remember that, right? Yes. But I don't remember the way to remember it, so you're going to have to tell me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, um, so the intercipient. Uh, it is yeah. like, uh, so you have the intersusception and the intersusception, and the intersusception is the receiving part, uh, recipient, okay. that is receiving. Oh, and so like receptions. Exactly. Ah. And, that's the, and the intersusception is the one that goes in. Intersusceptum, T-U-M, tum. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the other part. So the, okay. the recipient cool. is the receiving and it's the septum is the one that goes in. And then okay, okay. both cool. together are into deception. Deception. I know, it's crazy. Okay. It's crazy. Whoever came up with that is uh, is probably Ooh. not a very happy person, I would say. So I they something students for decades, right? Everybody's still I trying know, to remember that. I know. But that's Ooh. why we're here, you know. So yeah. there, there's a couple of cool things. One is there's not a lot of cats. So there's 21 cats, yeah. so, and it's a retrospective study. So it is, once again, case report level a little bit above that. So yeah. on the basis yeah. of the pyramid, we cannot put too and, and so when we read these articles, we need to be very, very careful with what we say and how hard we yeah. say it. And so yeah. that is probably also the biggest criticism I have from this article. I will be the critical one again, uh, but we'll talk okay. about that a little bit later. So they had 21 cats uh, over a period of 15 years, so obviously it's not that common that they see it in a university setting. But It's they, a university, know, though. We, yeah, exactly. we have to point that out. This is not private practice. It's university. Exactly. So you have been and in private practice for a long time. How many do you see yeah. per year? You know, uh, like a, a year easy can go by without them. It's like anything, you know. They seem to come in clumps, don't they? I don't, I'm not really even sure why that happens. You can have a long time and you don't see any, and then you can have in a short period of time you might see a number of them. So 
So I've never really added them up. I, I wouldn't say it's the most common thing we see, but I'm just always cognizant of the fact that studies that come out of referral practices or universities have a different patient population than yeah. a first opinion practice, right? So we need to be yeah. careful about that too. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, still yeah. 21 in, in 15 years is one a year. I, I guess that's yeah. what you would see in private practice, I would guesstimate. Yeah. So it's not very common that, uh, and then they looked at a lot of different things, uh, which once again, if you have a retrospective study with a little few cases, it's going to be complicated. We will talk about it, but what I thought was so cool was, mm-hmm. what, Susan, the main coon? Tell me about it. Yeah, so I've been pondering this, and, and I'm a little bit suspicious. So so this study um, found, like it says actually in the abstract, it says that um, male cats or male neuter cats and Maine coons were overrepresented amongst the, the cats with um, uh, intussusceptions. Uh, so, and I've never seen a study report that before, but mind you, how many studies on intussusceptions in cats are published, right? There's just not that very many. So I've been pondering this, and I, I would never have said that. I mean, it, it, I, I don't perceive that there's a, a breed predisposition. So one of, one of my problems with studies like this yeah. is that for me to know if Maine Coons truly are overrepresented with interceptions, I would need to know what is the proportion of Maine Coons in the patient population that this university practice sees. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't put it in context. If they see a whole lot more Maine Coons than other people see, that might influence the number of Maine Coons with interceptions they see. You need to, and, you need to know that bigger patient population. And I agree with you, but you know, I've been working at the university setting and one, you, yeah. see, you don't see that many cats in universities because, you know, cats are not yeah. sort of common. And Maine Coons are so rare, uh, so this is, a, I can't believe no, that, no. and the Maine Coon is not uh, a native cat from Aust- Austria, so it is, although... I'm going to although, disagree with you there for a minute. Hold on, I'm no. going to disagree with you, because amongst pedigreed breeds, uh, Maine Coons have been amongst the top five pedigreed breeds, and often the top three, for many, many years in Europe and North America. So as pedigree breeds go, Maine Coon is way up there. Yeah, but I mean, so if you look at the think, domestic short hairs, this, it, it, there's more Maine yeah, Coons than domestic short hairs. It's crazy. But I agree. I agree. They should have looked yeah, at their context, population. Right? And, yeah. And, and, and so, so that would have been really, really cool. Um, and then you can say, yeah, so compared to the population that we normally get yeah. at Austria Veneer School, uh, there are yeah. so many more Maine Coons in here, and I still think that it is. Uh, so, and what I also think is a, a golden chance lost is they don't discuss it at all. You know, there mm. is no yeah. discussion about why it is. No. And also, this thing that pulled me out is like, okay, maybe Maine Coons are really stressed, and that's why they get it. Uh, and, mm. and there was no discussion here. So, give me no. one reason why Maine Coons say it is the Maine Coons. So, just. Think about it. You know, I honestly don't know because Maine Coons come from a very heterogeneic background, right? So the, the genetics of Maine Coons come from your average domestic cat background. Um, so they, they often have more genetic diversity than, say, like a Persian wood or Siamese wood where they've been 
so changed over over the years. So it's Maybe just a, less so. Is it a big mud cap then? I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, there's so a big cap and, and then... No way. That might be the answer. Yola, that might be the answer, mm-hmm. is that they are actually as more similar to domestic short hair or domestic long hair cats. So, you know... And there you go. Yeah, if that actually might be the answer. Okay, and one last thing I'm going to say about it mm-hmm. is that Maine Coon is a pedigreed breed, at least the way they're using it. But a lot of people bring their long-haired cat into veterinary clinics. And because they've seen pictures of Maine Coons, and then they look at their own cat, they go, well, my cat must be a Maine Coon. And then they register the cat as a Maine Coon. That uh-huh. doesn't mean... Yeah. So that's what I think. How's that? There's my answer. No, I, I, I love it. And so this is exactly what they should have done in this article, uh, make yeah. this discussion a little bit more. Although it is you saying it, um, and there's not a lot of research here, obviously. But uh, no, that's really cool. I I, I agree with yeah. you. So it's domestic yeah. short hairs, uh, which are, you know, feline mixed breeds or mutts. And mm. so this is just a big mutt, mutt breed. And, uh, yeah, and that I, may I'm be going it. to be I, I, killed by the Maine Coon Association uh, huh? just by saying that. Well, but I'd be very careful um, to, to take away from this study that Maine Coons are predisposed to intersecession. I'd be yep. there, at least based on what they presented. I, I mean, I have more questions than answers. But anyway, aside from that, they were looking at surgical technique, right? Yeah, so they looked at, so, so we know when you have an intersection that you're always worried about recurrence. And in the dog, yeah. recurrence is around 20%, and that's the same in cats when you base that on the literature. So interceptions yeah. occur. We often don't know why they do. There's lots of reasons in mm. dogs, and in cats it's kind of the same. So we talk about intestinal parasites, foreign bodies, enteritis, masses, mm-hmm. you know, surgery, gastroenteritis, so anything can really do it. But what we also know... Even IBD, GI lymphoma, like any of those things can affect motility, right? Exactly, exactly. So in the cat, in the dog, we have either they're really young, most of them are puppies, and most of them they're uh, associated with intestinal worms, or they're really, they're old. And in the cat, Mm. they thought that that's the same, although this article doesn't show that really well. No, they 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 didn't. They they um, they they do talk about the fact that the literature says you know it, it's um, it's generally younger um, younger animals, yeah. but there may be a more bimodal distribution, and that makes more sense to me too because I think an intussusception is just an endpoint, and there's lots of ways to get to an intussusception, right? Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. it. So, so so, and in cats, you already said IBD and uh, lymphoma. Mm. Are mentioned as, as common. But that also makes those two groups incomparable. And here we go I a little bit with you. criticism again that yeah. um, they really don't split those two groups up. Uh, you know, I, know, I wrote that down, actually. When I read this, I wrote that down, that it's a little bit hard to compare these groups when there's there's too much difference in the underlying causes, too, right? That's exactly it. So, uh, but what they wanted to do is they wanted to talk about doing this surgery, which is called enteroplication. So to prevent this intersusceptual from happening, what you can do is you can suture the bowels together. And, yeah. and then you put the bowels next to each other and you put little sutures in between so they cannot get, you know, get impregnated again. This yeah. is also called you the kind of them to each other, right? 
So, so you know, you know, that never sounded like a good idea to me. And that's a very good that? question. And so, for let me talk mainly about dogs because I think I saw one interception a cat in my whole career, so that kind of tells oh. you that it's not that common. Um, but uh, as a surgeon, the only reason I would do uh, anthroplications is in cases where they either had a recurrence, so it was not the first time, but the second time when it happened, or yeah. when I saw these, sometimes these bowels were so hypermotile that they were just, you know, you just pulled out yeah. one and then the other one appeared already. And so then I had two okay. tricks. One, I gave them the dogs a little bit of atropine, which knocked down the whole, uh, the eye track. Uh, and then yeah. I did an anthroplication. So when these super okay. hypermotile bowels, then I did it, uh, and in puppies that had not the first one but the second one. Uh, in all other okay. cases, I normally don't because okay. it's, it's not an innocuous procedure. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've never done it in a cat, and this and this study, even though it certainly has a lot of issues and it's a very small number of cats. They're quite, they sound a very cautious note about anthroplication too, don't they? Yes, they do. And so, um, and well, let's find out why because, um, mm. um, and, and, and I think they, they, they wanted to do this study is because in cats there's a high uh, rate of major complications. So that's what they're going to look at. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. When we look at the, the materials and methods, uh, like I said, they had 21 cats. Um, yeah. It is it is a little bit difficult to decide what exact surgical method they used. Uh, they don't describe it really well. And once again, I think that's mm-hmm. the reason why it's not published in a surgical journal. Uh, if this would be submitted to a surgical journal, you have to be very, very detailed what you're doing. And they couldn't because there's yeah. lots of pers- different surgeons that did it. So, uh, yeah. Over, over that, a period of time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I was interested about is that uh, they had three methods of uh, dealing with the the infection or interception. One was with manual reduction. The other one was manual reduction and then resection. And the third one was uh, was resection immediately. And my preference, and this is just personal NS1, is I always try to manual reduce them. And then if I can and the bowel looks okay, then I'll just leave it like that. So, because I prefer not to do a resection because if you do a resection, you have a higher chance of uh, complications. And they did find quite a lot of complications uh, in these cases. But they, I think they only were able to do manual reduction on two cases. But as you said, it's a controlled, it's not a controlled study, right? Yeah. You don't know if they just tried it. They yeah. may not have tried it on every case. Yeah. No, and 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 if I'm, if, if you know, to be honest, most of them, I think only a few that I could not really manual, manually get out. So you have to be really careful ah. how you do it. Very gentle and it takes a lot of time. Mm. But uh, so so the, the only problem that you can have is that the, the bowel wall is so swollen that it, that kind of pops open, and then you of course have to yeah. respect it. But uh, yeah. Okay. So so the. Um, um, like I said, the surgical method was not described really well. And then the other thing is that they did very weak statistical testing. So, um, so the, the results are, are not 
they didn't do multivariate, it's a very small group, so we have to be very, very careful in how we make yeah. the final conclusion, and we'll come back to that later, but uh, okay. so... We set 11 main coons of 21, so that's pretty high, uh, but we yep. need to know more details there. Uh, median age was about 38 months, um, but the enteroplication group was significantly younger. And here is another yeah. major, major confounding variable is the, because older cats, they often they have a different diseases. And they have different diseases, so they don't do an enteroplication. So you really cannot, that, that, that age factor, they didn't even talk about it. So it makes me yeah. always a little worried about it. Okay, so I have a question for you, Susan. Yes, yes. <laughs> Here you go. So they had a lot of clinical signs, and I thought was interesting vomiting is the clinical sign number one, uh, next to anorexia. So, uh, lethargy, very few had diarrhea, and uh, even less uh, weight loss. So, you know, this well, is... Well, you, you know what I'm fond of saying? You've probably heard me say many times that, that cats really have four clinical signs and they use yeah. them for every disease. And anorexia and lethargy are clinical signs number one and two. Exactly. For so every disease. Should, exactly. And then we have respiratory disease and vomiting and then we're done. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, they it? took... They took out about 10 centimeters. So my question yes. to you, I know what your question Dr. Is. Little, is how long <laughs> is the small oh, intestine oh. of a cat? Oh, my gosh. Um, really long. <laughs> okay, that is not specific. It's really long. <laughs> it's not specific. So, and the I'm reason that I asked for is it a big deal I'm that we right take now. out... Is it a big deal that we take out 10 centimeters when we know that the size of the cat's small intestine is around? Well, so so I've just Googled it. <laughs> oh, you're so bad. <laughs> I, know, I know. Hey, at least I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Uh -huh. I've Googled it. And yeah. uh, some, some uh, authority on, on uh, Google says yeah. it's between 1 and 1.7 meters. Yeah, so 60 okay. inches. That sounds right. 1.8 meters. Okay. So very okay. good, very good. So 10 centimeters is nothing. Uh, so you don't have yeah. to worry about that. Right. And uh, that, that's the okay. main thing. So if the, the, the general rule is if you don't trust it, take it out in okay. the bowel, small bowel, you know. And that's why they did so many. So they had two cases where they did manual reduction, eight cases yeah. where they did reduction, and then... They still did a resection, and then resection. eleven cases where they just took it out resection. as is. So, uh, yes. so, and then yes. if you, if you look at table one, there is immediately the problem with all those variables that they have that they didn't mm. look at and the data that yes. they come up with. So that is, uh, yeah, that is. Uh, but there's probably just not enough animals per group, right? Like, there's it, it'll be it would be underpowered for to look at too many variables, wouldn't you think? Yeah. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so uh, the surgery takes about uh, 110 minutes. I think mm. it's rather long, I have to say. Well, uh, but, but you're a very good surgeon, so of course it's going to oh, take you less. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm blushing mm. now. 
you know. And then uh, they found a couple of foreign bodies for a lot of other reasons that they found burnout. Three. Yeah. Oh, I just stopped, just paused there for a minute. I I thought that was interesting because um, mm-hmm. I've seen that as a cause of interception in cats as well, a foreign body. Um, yeah. Does that happen in dogs? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, no surprise there. Yeah. yeah, okay. So cat is a little dog then. Well, for, for interceptions, you know, let's say that. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so so there's, um, I, mean, I, I once again, no histology, and I think that is essential. You know, mm. Like these things of, uh, please, 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 we need to do, uh, we need to know what's going on, yeah. especially in the older cats. That's, That's one thing I learned about it. Yeah. The older cats do biopsy. 100%. Yeah, because, so they call them idiopathic, right? You can't call these, it, well, I no. guess you call them hate, hate that word. They, hate that I know. Word. It's, it's because they've not been investigated. It's, it's not because it's been investigated and nothing was found. At least in, in this case, uh, most of these cats did not um, have enough uh, investigation. So, so we don't. No, know. and there's quite a lot of uh, cat diseases that are idiopathic. Yeah. Hence, and they're probably really not. Yeah. Hence, they're not really. the reason that we want to get as much literature out about the cat and yeah. understand what's going on, because it's the easiest way to say, oh, it's just idiopathic. No, it's not. Mm. There's probably a very no, good reason. there's a reason. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so, other interesting facts is that, that the, the survival rate is 95% of the surgery, so that's really good. But then it drops down to 76% uh, after until discharge. You know, 25% I know. death. I know. I thought that, that was very disappointing. 76% survived until discharge. That's not good. No, it's not good. No, yeah. no, I agree. No. I agree. So then they just start talking about uh, hospitalization, which was four days, and then complications. I thought it was really interesting. Most of those complications are not really major. But they then listed mm. the major complications. Uh, and, and, oh, Susan, did you find a major mistake in this article? I'm did I find mistake. a major mistake? Yes. Gosh, you're really putting me on the spot tonight. I know, I know. It, what it, page it, is the mistake on? Uh, the page is page four, second column, halfway. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the, I'll, 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 I won't make you suffer. The yeah, because I'll have to sit here and read the whole thing. Okay. In results, it says, duration of surgery time of hospitalization, complication rate, and outcomes did not differ between the two groups. So let's now go to page four, where it yeah. says that there was a difference in post-operative complication rates between the two groups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look at that. Mistake number one. So, and, and I Little think mistake. it's, yeah. you know, it's, the abstract is something that you should write at the end. Often people write the abstract <laughs> already while they're writing, but things change. Yeah. Sometimes you do the statistics different and that sort of thing, and then you forget that stupid abstract. And that's probably what happens yeah. here. Yeah. Because that's a big difference. It's 70 versus 40% complication. And okay. so uh, the non-anthropolization yeah. has 70% and the anthropolization has 40%. So that would be a reason for me to say, oh, you should do anthropocation on everybody because you have less complications. However, it's a different group of cats. 
It's a different group yeah. of cats. So cats with underlying disease have a higher chance of complications. So if you have lymphoma... And that makes sense. And that makes sense. So, you know, it is logical You're there, but yeah. it also kind of diffuses their end conclusion a little bit, I have to say. So It does. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It's so, kind of hard, it's, really, to draw a lot of conclusions from this. I mean, it's very nice. It's a very descriptive paper, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little difficult to draw conclusions. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, the, when they describe the follow-up, uh, where they have very few uh, clients that they could reach at the end, that's even mm. more worrisome. So uh, gets a little harder. Yeah. So, so you know what well, I think one of the the big take-home message from this mm-hmm. paper is for me, if you have a cat with an intussusception. I'm not actually, for, for me, this paper doesn't answer, do I do enteroplication, yes or no. Mm-hmm. The big message no. for me from this paper is that please get a diagnosis, right? So please yeah. go in right. there. Unless it's obvious, if it's a foreign body, then it's your diagnosis, right? But if it's not obvious, if it's not, you know, full of worms, it's not a foreign body, there isn't an obvious reason, then please take multiple biopsies and get a diagnosis. That's the take-home for me from this paper. Yeah, and I totally agree. I totally agree. What I think is really good from from them is that they have quite a big section where they're right about limitation of the study. That's very, very important because there is a lot of limitations here. But then when we go back to the uh, conclusions and relevance, they are pretty strong in saying, although the number of cases was limited, our results suggest that interplication should be costly performed in cats with interception as may be associated with yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I think that is, is you know. You can't do that. No. No. You can't. You can. so, so I don't me, think it answers the question. Yeah. It no. doesn't really answer the question. So for me, I'm totally no. with you. Uh, interesting study, lots of cases, at least, because it's very rare. Um, yep. Yes, you have to be very, very careful with interplication. Don't use it in cases where it shouldn't be used in. Um, mm. And uh, interesting that these intersusceptions occur in cats. They have to look mm. into the, the pathophysiology of the process. Uh, and then they have to look into why main coons are so overrepresented there. So, And I think we gave them the answer. So that's really, really cool. Well, we so, may have. You know, we we had some ideas anyway. Exactly, exactly. So I have one question. So you, you are doing a lot of editing, and I know that you're yes. uh, the semicolon wizard, and it really irritates <laughs> you when people use semicolons wrong. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I try not to be like a, a, a punctuation nerd, but, you know, you can't help it if you're an editor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm really a nerd about is the Oxford comma. We've talked about the Oxford comma. Oh, yes, the Oxford comma. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, have, the one yeah. thing that I get really irritated about is the word okay. histopathology. Why? Or pathohistology. Okay. So, um, I think it's just histology, isn't it? It's histopathology. No, oh. it doesn't make sense. Why is it not histology? Hmm. Goodness, you're, you're making me Google everything tonight. I know, I know, it's crazy. But uh, let that one go. But that's one thing that I always okay. get, uh, 
Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on, I have an answer for you. I have an answer from Wikipedia. Are you ready? Yes. Here's the answer from Wikipedia. Wikipedia says, histology is a study of tissues. Histopathology is specifically of diseased tissues. Okay, so people can use it. But what about pathohistology then? Oh, I don't know. I didn't Google that. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's see if we have another hot news thing. Uh, So it's, it's time for hot news. And now, hot cat news. Yeah, I've, I've, I have some really cool news. Oh, cool. Can I talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know that uh, one of my great loves in feline medicine is infectious diseases. Uh-huh. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I don't like the cats get them, but I am fascinated, especially by viral diseases, and I've done some research on feline leukemia virus and feline immunodeficiency virus. But, so so what I'm going to tell you about is a new virus, a brand new virus identified in cats. And how often does that happen? How often Not do you very often. Seen, right? That there's a new yeah. virus. Like, look at canine influenza. That's kind of a new thing, and it's all over the news, right? How cool. often? It's rare. Okay. <laughs> so, some um, researchers at the University of Sydney in Australia... Yeah. Dr. Julia Beatty, who is amazing, her and her colleagues, they're amazing um, investigators, and they discovered a, uh, a virus in an immunocompromised cat. They dis- Now, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's called a hepadnavirus, H-E-P-A-D-N-A. Hepadnavirus. 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 And it's a type of virus. Hep, ATP, hepatitis, liver disease. So it's, it's uh, from a group of viruses that is known to cause hepatitis and liver cancer in other species. So early days, don't know what the significance is of finding this in the cat. The cat they found it in also had feline immunodeficiency virus, right? So it was immunocompromised and may have made it susceptible to getting one of these unusual um, viruses, but you saw a new virus is discovered, and now of course we have to go out and look at a whole bunch of other cats. Maybe, maybe there's lots of cats with that virus out there. We don't know. So I just find that fascinating. That still cool. ten viruses, huh? Yeah, that's cool. I said that's uber cool. cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Cool. Cooler than cool. Oh, that's my news. Thank that's you for sharing. So I have You're only welcome. two. And 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 okay. so this is uh, this is not as uh, highly scientific as the one that you gave, but uh, it was uh, published in Medical News today. Uh, yeah. And it said that uh, cats boost your health. So it's an article cats? that was uh, yeah boost your health. So uh, oh. it describes how cats can make you be more healthy. And it was written by oh. a lady. And then what I like about it, that it said it, it's fact-checked by someone else. Not that that means okay. anything. But, so, uh, but, uh, wow. so it, it, it just writes about all the things that cats can do. Uh, they talk about cat cafes. Uh, they talk how it can help you, uh, you know, feel better about yourself. Uh, they, they lower they your blood pressure, don't they? They, they lower your blood, blood pressure. Uh, 
Um, they have multiple benefits for your body. Uh, mm. You know, infants that grow up with cats have less chance of allergies. Yeah. There's lots, of, lots right. of different things that cats do. And, uh, and, uh, and then the other thing is that uh, it says about how cats can train us to do well. Cats train us? Yeah, how cats can train us. What do they train us to do? For instance, they had, they were talking a study about children with autism, uh, spectrum disorder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's valuable emotional support. And that they do. Very cool. Like like you said, that they are interesting because, you know, FIP, F, Looks quite like HIV, so there's a lot of difference between yeah. the two, but, uh, but they certain. contribute to human research, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, yeah. all the things that Kathy cool. I thought that was a nice thing. That's why we love them. That's why we love them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. thank you so much, Susan, for, uh, this podcast, uh, and, uh, very excited about, uh, uh, this podcast. Every day, I'm, I'm, um, having yeah. more fun doing them. I know. We have so much fun. There's so much to talk about. Exactly. So uh, we probably won't yeah. be done until we're like 100 with all these topics that we have to go. So if you know <laughs> any good topics, please send us a, a text on uh, uh, yeah. where, where can they reach us? Uh, where oh, can we're they reach all us over then? social media, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I'm Cat Vet Susan on almost all social media. I'm easy to find. Cat Vet Susan. Send us a yep. message. Yep. And what about you? And, and you can reach me with Global Veneer Surgery on Facebook and uh, on uh, yeah. Twitter, uh, Instagram, or, or just using Yola NL, that's J-O-L-L-E-N-L. And uh, we are more than happy We're not hard to, find. to cover topics that you want to hear. And uh, once again, please rate us uh, with a five-star review if you like this uh, podcast. And, uh, and Tell yeah, your friends. So what, sorry? Tell, they should tell their friends. Yes, tell your friends. So, Susan, yeah. thank you so much for everything, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Yola. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirfenstein. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please note that all opinions given here are purely Dr. Susan's and my interpretation. Veneer medicine is a beautiful but complicated profession as no animal or case is exactly the same. Well, there's one thing for sure. Yeah. Yola and I have strong opinions and we're not afraid to say them. So that's a good thing though, isn't it? Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat Clinical Medicine and Management and August's Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. You can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? 
Yola works currently for Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX.